0: welcome to another episode of the hoop talk podcast by fans for fans i'm ryan there's my guy jalen what's up everybody this podcast is where we discuss all things basketball so expect a lot of hot takes debates and true display of basketball knowledge let's get right into it our topic today is looking at our top five college basketball players in the country right now so in no particular order Jalen who are your top five college basketball players right now
1: I'm glad you threw it out there that's in no particular order bro because I had no idea how to rank these guys but my top five players in the country right now are Luca Garza of Iowa Corey Kispert of Gonzaga Io Desumu of Illinois Jared Butler of Baylor and Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State. So
0: my top five, in no particular order: Luca Garza from Iowa, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, Ayu Dusumu from Illinois, Evan Mobley from USC, Ron Harper Jr. from Rutgers.
1: Okay, okay, got some some newcomers to the pod, some new names on the pod. Evan Mobley. All right, so let's okay. Let's start with the guys that we agreed with first. Okay, so Luca Garza, Ayotisumu, Cade Cunningham, Ryan. Where do you want to start off first with these three guys?
0: Well, let's talk about Luca Garza first. Luca Garza is arguably the best player in the country right now. He's proved that that he can be not only the best player in the country but also a uh, contender for the Wooden Award. He's averaging almost 30 points this season, almost 11 rebounds. He shoots just under 63% from the field. And he's had a lot of amazing performances this year. 26 points and 10 rebounds against NC Central. 41 points and 9 rebounds against Southern. 35 points and 10 rebounds against Western Illinois. And he ended up scoring 16 points and grabbing 14 rebounds against the number 16 team in the country in North Carolina. I know he shot six of 20 from the field, but he made up for it by attacking the glass and getting rebounds as well as blocking shots. He had four in that game against North Carolina. And then you have another guy like Kate Cunningham. He's a potential first overall pick. He's led Oklahoma State to a 5-0 and start. He's averaging almost 21 points and just over five rebounds a game, as well as four assists. He's shooting 50% from the field. He put up a double-double in his first college game against UT Austin. He scored 20 points against Texas Southern. He put up 15 and six rebounds, as well as three steals to help Oklahoma State beat Marquette. He scored 18 points and eight assists against Oakland, and he put up 29 points against Oral Roberts. A couple of things that I've seen from him so far. He attacks the basket, he's able to create his own shot, and he's not afraid to draw contact. To decide who is the best player in the country is a toss-up. Cade Cunningham and Luca Garza are two of the best players in the country. Personally, I would have to say Luca Garza is the best player in the country based off of who he who he's played so far. Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State's first major opponent will be Wichita State. And then Luca Garza and Iowa just beat number 16, North Carolina. So I mean, if I had to pick one, I would have to go with Luca Garza.
1: So I find that really interesting because, honestly, one of the biggest debates that I had with these guys was if I had to pick one, you know, gun to my head, who do I have to choose? Who would it be? And I honestly have to disagree with you. I really think that it's Cade. I think one of the biggest things that I noted on this was that Oklahoma State is 5-0, and say what you want about the strength of schedule in terms of what's taking place with that, but this is a team that arguably would be somewhere in the top 10 in the AP Top 25 poll had there not been the allegations that took place that have basically held this team back from any NCAA contention this season. This is a guy who I think genuinely translates at the pro level. Luka Garza, he's doing a lot of stuff that's very – Flash in the pan, like averaging a 30 and 30 and 11 double double is still like some unheard of stuff, even in like the pros, let alone the college level shooting 50 plus percent from the three point line at his position. Also very unheard of, even from a guard position in both college or the pros, 62 percent from the floor. That's another one that his efficiency level for the type of shots that he takes is relatively high considering the circumstances. I will give him credit that he's not a one-dimensional player. He's not a guy who's only playing on one side of the ball. He's not a guy who only gets all of his points in garbage time or gets all of his points in lob threat as a lob threat or down in the paint, bullying undersized guys. Like he's expanded his game in a way where he's shooting the three, obviously significant um, at a significant clip. Um, He's playing on the other side of the ball by getting a steal a game and three blocks per game. Granted, it's a four game sample size and the game against UNC wasn't that great. It was good, but it wasn't great. And if you remember on the last episode we did in terms of looking at the landscape, one of my big questions was how would Luka Garza fare against a top 25 opponent, considering the fact that he was kind of eating crazy off of the first three games where he was having 30 point outbreaks in the first half of basketball games, stuff that you just typically don't see unless you're Klay Thompson without the dribble. Like it's stuff that you, you know, you just don't see very often um, in terms of how I feel about Kay Cunningham. I think that, his statistics don't even really tell the full brink of the story. I mean, the four assists I think is really misleading because I think he gets all of the other teammates on his team in the right positions where K gets a lot of hockey assists. And, of course, those don't come up on the stat sheet, which I think is significant. Um, I think the other thing is he's super efficient. I mean, 50% from the floor. I think you can yank the 33% from three-point land up um, in terms of what he shoots when he's away. But, I mean, if you – look at the overall splits for him. It's 50, 50, 47, 86. Like he's shooting extremely, um, um, extremely efficient from the floor. Um, Now I'd like to see him play a couple more home games. It does seem like that's more where he's um, comfortable at. Like I said before, he shoots 33% when he's away. So I'd like to see how much more he performs at home games, but also as he tends to grow playing on the road, it's something that a lot of younger players tend to kind of get a grasp of when they're like young and in college, um, young to the college game, I mean. Um, so I have to go with Cade because I feel like if you're looking at the stats, it leans Luca Garza. But if you're looking at the overall flow of a basketball game, Cade Cunningham has his pulse on the game from start to finish. And a lot of the stuff that he does still doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And we're talking about a guy who averages nearly two steals per game on top of the fact that he pretty much controls the offense from tip off. Um, One guy that I don't want to let slide, though, Ryan, is... We haven't talked much about Io DeSumo, who's averaging 22, 8, and 6, literally career highs in all statistical categories. He shot up to 22 points per game from 16 points last year. He shot up from 4 rebounds a game to 8 rebounds a game, and he went from 3.3 assists to 6 assists per game. And the most interesting stat... From twenty-nine point six percent shooting from three last season to forty-two point one percent. Ryan, can we argue, can we easily argue that Ayus DeSumo could be the top player in college basketball right now, above even Luca Garza or Kate Cunningham?
0: There's an argument for that, and I think that given what we've seen so far from Luca Garza and Kate Cunningham, it's going to be difficult. But I think everybody's going to look at how Kate Cunningham and Luca Garza perform in big games. Like you mentioned, Luca Garza only shot six of twenty from the field against North Carolina. And we pretty much need to see what happens with Kate Cunningham as he faces as he faces opponents in rivalry games and in the top twenty five. But I has been making a great case for not only being a contender for the Wooden Award, but maybe being the best player in the country. Like I mentioned earlier, like this was a toss-up for me to decide who was the best player in the country. But if I had to pick one, it would be Luka Garza. Ayudasumu is not very far behind Luka Garza, not very far behind uh, Kate Cunningham. And you mentioned he's had a strong start to the season. He's averaging just under 23 points a game, eight rebounds, six assists. He's shooting 50% from the field. And like you mentioned earlier, he's shooting 42% from beyond the arc. He's had three 20-point games this season. He put up 28-10 and 10 in the in his first game against NCAA and T. He had 22 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds against Chicago State, and then 27 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds against Ohio. And then he also ended up putting up 18 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists against the second-ranked team in the country in Baylor, and then he put up a double-double against number 10, Duke. So I think what – Ayo DeSumo has over Kate Cunningham and Luka Garza is that he can show up for big games. And even though Illinois lost to Baylor, they ended up beating Duke. That's huge for a program like Illinois to go on the road and beat Duke in Cameron. Like I said, it shows me that he can show up for big games and he's a prolific scorer for an Illinois team that can be as good as that Illinois team that went to the championship.
1: So, I think honestly, the reason why I don't want to leave Ayudasuma out of this conversation, not only because we all obviously had all three of them on both of our lists, but the most important reason why I want to make sure that we do still address him is Ryan. I'm going to tell you the truth, bro. I genuinely think Ayudasuma is the best player in the Big Ten. Like, I understand where people may lie on Luca Garza, I understand that the, the UNC game may sway people a little bit, but Ayo has has. Already be on, been on the NBA scene as a potential uh, first round pick, if not playing himself into a lottery pick discussion right now, something Luca Garza has not really been in the mix for. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with um, him faring better overseas versus just the fact that he's not really projected to be an NBA prospect. But Ayudasumu has literally improved in every single category who knew that a guy in his third season could arguably be an NBA draft prospect and potentially the best player in the big 10 and potentially the most improved player in the country all in the same year. Talking about a guy who's increased significantly in field goal percentage, three point percentage, shooting better from the free throw line, more rebounds, more assists, um, a little bit more in the block department. Um, He's turning the ball over less, but still averaging more points. Now, you can maybe argue that the presence of Adam Miller, freshman uh point guard, has probably helped him out significantly because Adam Miller's pick and roll game, on top of the fact that he plays really ball really well without the ball in his hands and has shot the three really well in these past four to five games, could be something that's helping free Ayudasumu up because Ayudasumu has been pretty much the living and breathing pulse of Illinois from the score uh, in the scoring department. Uh Kofi Coburn was a guy that they wanted to lean on pretty significantly out of Oak Hill last year. Um Kofi Coburn has been a guy who you can pick on defensively. He's a guy who if you get him in pick and rolls and switches and stuff, he's been getting murdered. It's been like documented. But having a really prolific back backcourt partner in Adam Miller I think is helping Idesumu's game, but Let's just not – we can't just sleep on the fact that Ayo has has significantly gotten better in every facet of the basketball game. And I think that's something to really take into account, not only just talking about him as a um, as a potential best player in the country candidate, but as, you know, a potential NBA lottery pick if he continues on the trajectory that, is, that he's on. Um, we've talked a lot about the three guys that we matched up on, but we both had two guys that we didn't mention in the landscape episode. We didn't mention in our NBA prospect episodes and we haven't really mentioned very much off camera either. So Ryan, who do you want to start with? Or maybe you can break down both guys that you have on your list that we both don't share right now. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about some of these dudes.
0: Yeah, so let's let's talk about Evan Mobley first from USC. I personally believe he's the second best freshman outside of Kate Cunningham, um, and this is another freshman as part of a loaded freshman class that has entered college basketball. Um, I think he could help make USC a contender to win the Pac-12 and also become a potential lottery pick. Um, he put up a double-double in two games this year so far, but he's been close to doing so against California Baptist. Uh, he just needed one more rebound. Uh, he's averaging just over 17 points a game, nine rebounds, just over three blocks a game, and he's shooting 61% from the field. Evan Mobley's been really dominant in the paint, grabbing rebounds and blocking shots, and I think this season he's going to be a defensive force for USC. Um, and then Ron Harper Jr. If that name kind of sounds familiar, he's the son, he's the son of Ron Harper, um, played for the Bulls, he played for the Lakers, won a couple championships along the way. Um, Ron Harper Jr. is a lot like his dad. I mean, he's shooting great from the field, or he's been a good shooter from the field. He could play defense. Um, he's averaging 22 points a game. He's turned out to be Rutgers' leading scorer. Uh, he's averaging also seven and a half rebounds. He's shooting 60% from the field and almost 46% from three. He put up a double-double in his first game. Then he put up 30 points against Fairleigh Dickinson in his second game. He also had a great game against Syracuse. Um, He's one of the best three-point shooters in the country, and I will watch out for a guy like Ron Harper Jr. because he could be leading Rutgers back to the tournament for the first time in a very long time, and Ron Harper Jr. is just another great player in a loaded conference
1: definitely, and i mean we 're in a position right now where we 're going to see them against our maryland Terrapins, so i 'm hoping that he doesn 't murder us with uh, with the way that he 's shooting from three point land right now, but he 's shooting really efficiently, like you touched on beforehand, sixty percent from the floor, and he 's shooting you know a little north of forty five percent from three this season, like he's uh, he 's another guy like Sumu, junior year significantly jumped up in all categories he 's averaging you know, significantly better, 15% better from the floor, 11% better from three-point land. He's shooting a little bit worse from the free throw line. He's not going there nearly as much. More rebounds, more assists, and obviously more points going up from 12 points per game to 22.3 points per game. So Ron Harper Jr. is a guy, I don't see the lockdown defense of his pops, but he dang sure shoots the ball way better because he – he is a monster from beyond the arc, and he could be a guy who, dare I say, could be like an Aaron Neesmith-esque guy, um, came out of Vanderbilt and was a lottery pick, um, went to the uh, Boston Celtics this past uh, NBA draft. He could, dare I say, be another guy who you know, takes the NBA draft by storm as being a guy who shoots the three ball really well defends really well and obviously can play a little bit off the dribble which makes him a threat as a shot creator so I think he's a really interesting prospect Evan Mobley was a guy who once upon a time was an ESPN one top 100 ranked number one at the top of the ESPN 100 for his class and obviously was number one at his position in the high school circuit so this is a guy who's been on the radar for a while, but the fact that he's a big man has made him go a little under the radar because of the fact that there's other guys that have been on the circuit that play the guard position that are typically a little bit more dynamic and typically show a little bit more flair to the point that guys, you know, tend to hone in on the guys who are shot creators and guys who can, be, who can play positionless basketball. Evan Mobley is the definition of a guy who can step in and be a walking double-double from Rip. He's not an NBA-style center to me. He's not a guy who's going to shoot the three very much, if at all. I mean, he's taken a few so far. He's averaging nearly two attempts per game, but he's finishing around the rim with 61% from the floor. He's a guy who's going to be efficient. He's going to average at least double-digit rebounds. He's averaging only nine right now, but Trust me, by the end of the year, I expect him to be floating somewhere between 10.5 and 11. And 17.6 points, I think, isn't even telling all of the story, because I think there's a lot more that he's going to be able to do offensively under the basket as USC continues to try to feature him. This is a guy who I think, similar to what I was mentioning about Ron Harper Jr., he's going to be a guy who I think can creep up further and further up draft boards. Despite being a big man in this loaded small forward slash shooting guard-esque draft that we have, I think Evan Mobley is definitely going to be the first big man off the board. Um, Ryan, out of these two guys that you've listed right here, who do you think has the biggest upside in terms of leading their team to the tournament this season if you had to pick one guy who was more likely to lead his team to the tournament who do you think it would be
0: this is another question where it's a toss-up because both guys I feel like can lead their team to the championship or actually lead their team to the tournament if I had to pick one I probably say Ron Harper jr Um, Just because they were just because Rutgers was so close to making the tournament last year that it felt like they were going to be one of the best teams in the tournament. Um, Keep in mind, this Rutgers team is ranked. I believe they're 21st in the country right now. Um, And Ron Harper Jr. Went from a role player to their leading scorer. So I think his transition from role player to leading scorer, I think has helped Rutgers Become one of the best teams in the country, and I think as I look at the upside of Ron Harper Jr., he's another guy where he's excelled in his junior season. Um, we talked about Ayo Sumu excelling in his gen- in his junior season. Ron Harper Jr. is another guy who has excelled so far um, through the first couple games in his junior season, and like you mentioned earlier, he's playing. He's going to be playing a great team in Maryland um, down the road. So I think that's going to be a game to watch out for. Um, I think that I wouldn't count Evan Mobley out either. Um, But I think if I had to go with potential upside to lead their team to the tournament, I'd probably say Ron Harper Jr.,
1: And honestly, as much as I would love to disagree with you just out of the fact that I love Evan Mobley's game, I think that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are both going to be a route. I think there's going to be a lot of potential battles between teams in both of those conferences, and I just see the Pac-12 being really crazy right now. I think that Things for Rutgers also are not very drawn up very well. There's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are in the AP-25, and there are a lot of them are in the top 15 by itself. So it's going to be a really tough road for both of these teams to get through. But I do, have, I do believe that Ron Harper Jr. has more influence on the ball than Evan Mobley. And that's what really shows his his overall impact. I think Evan Mobley does all the things that you need a top tier center in college basketball to do. But Ron Harper Jr. controls the flow of the game in a way that a big man can't. And that's the only thing that shows a little bit of a default kind of to me leaning on Ron Harper Jr. to do um, what I believe Evan Mobley might not be able to. Um, but I do think both of these teams will make the tournament. I don't think that part is out of the question. Um, if we had to pick one team to make it though, I think I would still go with Rutgers just out of the fact that they play in a tougher conference where I think if they get enough conference wins, um, it's not really going to matter versus USC. I think depending on the way their schedule goes, there's a lot of PAC 12 games. I think they could potentially drop just due to like the frequency of guard play in, ba- in the PAC 12 is like nuts. And just the fact that there's a lot of Pac-12 teams that are extremely dangerous in the, um, on the run rather than the fast break. And Evan Mobley is a guy that, you know, thrives relatively well in the half court as a dump down player. But as a, you know, as a fast break open court style player, I don't know how he factors in offensively or defensively as much. But that's something that we might be able to see develop as the season goes along. Um, my two guys... That I picked were Corey Kispert and Jared Butler. So I'm gonna start with Jared Butler actually because he's playing on one of the top teams in the country as well, but not nearly as high as Gonzaga. I want to leave Gonzaga for last on this one because, man, they are they are a team full of talent all in itself. Jared Butler is averaging 16.3 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, and four assists. He's shooting 43% from um the three point line and 48% from from the field. Um, This is a guy who so far performed significantly well in all matchups. I would say that the game against Illinois was a little dry with only 12 points, three assists, five rebounds. Definitely a slow paced game for him. But you can also say that came to the fact that they were up um, significantly by half. And we're talking about a team that finished the game up 82 to 69. And it was pretty telling from the end of the first half that they were kind of going to hold suit. Um, I think Jared Butler coming into his junior year, he was a guy that was on the NBA radar last season and coming back for his junior year, he was going to be a guy who was going to be in contention to be considered one of the better players in his conference. And I think he's showing that off right now. I think as they get closer to conference play, he's going to be a team leader that they're going to need to pretty much do anything and everything that this team asked them, asked him to do because it's, it's tough out there. It is, it's really tough out there. And I think that's going to be something that um, he's going to be able to step up um, to the challenge for. He's not a player that I see sinking under the pressure as an upperclassman as well. I see him being a guy who's going to hit a lot of big shots down the stretch, but he's just been a real controller of the offense over the last couple of games. And he's, he's proven that his team can win. Um, their their team has already proven that they can win in spite of him necessarily having a monster game like in the second um in the second game against Washington where he goes for 23 and 5. They win 86 to 52, but then they go up against Illinois, win 82 to 69, and he only drops 12 points. But because he has such a good flow of the offense and he does all of the dirty work and just does the things that don't pop up on the stat sheet their team is able to still be successful. And then Corey Kispert, honestly, bro, I think you could argue, despite the way Jalen Suggs has played, that Corey Kispert might be the best player on Gonzaga. And in contention that with Gonzaga being the best team in the country right now could potentially argue that Corey Kispert is the best player in the country. I think it is arguable. 22.3 22.3 points, five rebounds and assists per game. Another guy who's significantly improved in every category so far this season coming out of last year. The biggest jump being from 13.9 points to 22.3 points this season. He's a guy who's pretty much playing the 3 and D wing for this Gonzaga team. And he is thriving in this role. 6'7", 220 pounds, can get any shot he wants. And he's the leading scorer from Gonzaga right now, despite the fact that Jalen Suggs is taking over the internet. So I think that this is a guy who could be in contention um, for the Wooden Award, just like a lot of the other guys that we've named off so far. And I think that he is the best player on Gonzaga. It's not by a lot, but although the margin is significantly close, I have to give the uh, the the uh, the edge to Corey out of the fact that right now he just – it looks like the dude can't miss, and it looks like he's doing anything and everything for this team.
0: And I think that it's, 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 an, it's interesting that you picked both Corey Kispert and Jerry Butler because both of those guys are on the top two best teams in the country right now, Gonzaga being number one, Baylor being number two. And it's not hard to see why because that because they are the best players on their team, they also have maybe the best supporting casts in the country. Let's look at Gonzaga first. They have Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy is averaging 23 points right now. Close to six rebounds. Joel Ajayi, who we mentioned as part of that loaded backcourt with Jalen Suggs, he's averaging 13 a game. Jalen Suggs is averaging 13 a game. And then you mentioned Corey Kispert, who's averaging 22 points a game. I think that Gonzaga is a team that is loaded with scores. You look at uh, Baylor. Jared Butler is the leading scorer on his team. Masio Teague is averaging just under 16 points a game and five rebounds. Um, Adam Flagler is averaging close to 16 points a game and three rebounds. And then you look at Davion Mitchell, who's averaging 13 points a game and four rebounds and just over six and a half assists. You not only have two of the best players in the country, but you also have a solid supporting cast that if the two best players in the country aren't performing well, the supporting cast is there to pick up the slack. And the fact of the matter is that There's a reason why Baylor and Gonzaga are the two best teams in the country. And it's because they have, they have phenomenal teams, not to mention they have phenomenal coaches as well. I think if I had to pick who's going to maybe go undefeated out of both of these teams, I probably have to go with Gonzaga just because of course, you have Corey Kispert, you have a great backcourt with Jalen Suggs and Joel Ajayi. I think the edge goes to Gonzaga, but Baylor's been putting out some great performances. They just beat Illinois, and who knows? They could also go undefeated, and the top two teams in the country, Gonzaga and Baylor, they could still be the top two teams in the country when the season ends.
1: Definitely. They're definitely both uh, big threats. So to finish off the podcast, I want to ask two questions. There's going to be one relating to the two teams we just talked about and one relating to one more guy that we may have on. as a potential top player in the country candidate. So number one is, quick question, quick answer, do you believe we'll see Baylor and Gonzaga in the Final Four this year?
0: I would say yes. Um, Again, like I said, these two teams have a lot of talent. These two two teams have great coaches. I would not be surprised to see them as two one-seeds in their regions.
1: Yeah, that I definitely agree with that one. I think these are two teams that are going to be able to hold the field pretty well. Um, and I don't want to say that they're going to, you know, smash everybody on the way to the at least the elite eight. But I think this is a team that's going to both teams are going to be significantly dangerous early. You're going to want to catch them early because I think as they catch their stride, it's going to be extremely difficult to catch them once they're in the mix. Um, And especially as Jalen Suggs gets significantly better with more time with the team. Um, And then the second question to end the podcast off is, who is your honorable mention, a guy who you had on the list for the top five candidacy, um, but couldn't necessarily squeeze in, but had one of the people on your list not been playing as well, or maybe had a down game before we recorded this, maybe you would have snuck them in. Who's one guy who you had as an honorable mention that you'd like to shout out?
0: My honorable mention is Garrison Brooks from North Carolina. I mentioned in the North Carolina game, or the Iowa-North Carolina game, that Luca Garza was not shooting particularly well. He shot 6-20 from the field. Garrison Brooks shot almost 64% from the field uh, in the loss to Iowa. And granted, he on uh, last year's team, he was arguably their best player outside of Cole Anthony, and that North Carolina team was not as talented as other North Carolina teams that Roy Williams coached. But Garrison Brooks is arguably the best player on this team. And even though they lost to Iowa, and even though they lost to Texas, I still feel like North Carolina is going to be a top 25 team, as long as Garrison Brooks plays at the highest level. He did put up 17 points against Iowa and uh, eight rebounds as well. He put up 18 and seven against Texas. So he's, it shows you that he can perform – Against or in uh, big games. And I know he's only averaging 13 points and just under eight and a half rebounds a game. But I would say just give it time because I think Garrison Brooks could be one of the best players in the ACC, maybe one of the best players in the country.
1: Yeah, I, I like Garrison Brooks a lot, obviously, as a like as a youth UNC fan looking at that Iowa game. I think you could argue that Garrison Brooks outplayed Luka Garza the other night. I think you could a- easily go down the list and kind of argue that he had just an overall better night. His team didn't come out from with the win, but I think that you could also argue that that wasn't necessarily on the big man matchup. Iowa shoot, was Iowa shooting significantly well from three-point line most of that night. Um, especially in the first half, I'll say, where they got relatively hot early. So I wouldn't even say that it had a lot to do with a big man matchup. Iowa had a lot of game of runs kind of um, plays in that game where the the score would get close and then Iowa would go on a run and the score would get close and Iowa would go on a run. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that UNC is still a a relatively young Basketball team Caleb Love at the point guard position. Obviously, RJ Davis is a guy at the um sharing the backcourt with them that is still a really good facilitator, but they're both trying to still figure out how to mesh with one another. Armando Baycott is a guy who literally you know, this will be you know, hopefully his first real season of being able to play injury free. Last most of last year, he was out of the game. Same thing with Garrison Brooks. He was a guy who did not play a good portion of the season because of the fact that he had constant nagging injuries that were keeping him out of games. I think Garrison Brooks is a guy who definitely should be on the national spotlight radar a little bit more, if not at least in argument to be one of, consider one of the best players in the ACC, if not the country. My player is Quentin Grimes for Houston. This is a guy who right now Man, after struggling at Kansas, boy, has he found a home in Houston, bro. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, 17.8 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game at 6'5", 205 pounds, and 2.3 assists per game. He's not shooting the ball very well um, in terms of the uh, the three-point line or the field to a certain extent, Thirty uh, four 35% from the field, 28% from three. That part is my biggest concern is just, you know, the, the conversion rate. Um, we definitely need him to shoot a little bit better from the floor if he wants any chance to really be, you know, be able to lead this Houston team um, to the, uh, the NCAA tournament and lead them far in it. Um, but he's, a, he's extremely aggressive, extremely aggressive. Part of the reason why he's averaging so many points and why he was able to have a 23-7-3 and night the other day well. Um, Um, against uh, South Carolina was because his ability to drive and finish in the paint and draw contact. If there's one thing that we've mentioned a lot on this podcast, not even just for this episode, but in future and past episodes is that we love guys who create contact, finish at the line and like to be able to get to the free throw line consistently. Bucket getters is essentially what we're talking about. And Quentin Grimes is definitely one of those guys. And I think he's going to improve as a shooter. And once that happens, then we really have to watch out because if his, if his inside game is dangerous, his outside game getting uh, improving is one thing that's going to make him probably one of the most lethal guards in the, uh, in the country. And that's, that's something that I might put him on the NBA scene again.
0: And Quentin Grimes is one of the best guards in the country. And I think that when you're looking at shooting percentage, yes, it's not great um, at 35% from the field. But I would give it time because Houston's turning out to be a great team they're 4-0 right now. They knocked off number 14, Texas Tech. They beat South Carolina. Quentin Grimes put up 15 points and seven rebounds against Texas Tech, and he also put up 23 points and seven rebounds against South Carolina. Obviously, the shooting, the shooting percentage isn't there, but I think that with time, and I think as long as he stays healthy during the season, I think he could become a great shooter for Houston, and maybe make them a, like a, a surprise team in the top 25.
1: Definitely think we should keep our eyes out on Houston. I, as as he keeps playing, he had he had 15 free throw attempts against South Carolina. Like I said, we love bucket getters. We love aggressive drivers. Like, like Ryan said beforehand, I think we should really keep an eye on Quentin Grimes and Houston because they're a team that we're not talking about a lot coming into the year. But I'm going to go with Ryan on this one and say that they are definitely a surprise team um, coming out of the NCAA and could potentially – Uh, put a lot of guys on upset alert come tournament time
0: so transitioning to our question of the day for our fans who is one player that you believe is one of the best players in the country this has been a great episode today on the hoop talk podcast of course make sure when you subscribe to us on apple you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast we'll see you guys next episode
1: peace